I realize by telling you this, I sacrificed some of the merit, but I gave up YouTube for Lent. And um, it's been great, but one of the things I miss, I, I sometimes at the end of the evening before going to bed just to unwind, I'll watch one of those compilations of like just funny videos. And uh, I found one, and there was one of the clips within it was a father filming his son, who's probably nine or ten years old, pouring washer fluid into the car for the first time. The, the windshield washer fluid was out. He was teaching him how to pop open the little thing in, under the hood and to, to pour this gallon of blue washer fluid into the and, the... and the son, you don't see the father, of course, he's filming with his phone. And um, the son is, can barely lift this gallon of fluid. And he's nervous. He's telling his dad, I don't think I can do it. He's like, you can do it, you can do it. Um, and he says, hold it sideways, it'll be easier. And he, he can't really hold it sideways. He's, he's like, just do it however you want. It's okay if you spill some. Um, it doesn't matter. And so the son is like, okay, I'm nervous. I don't think I can do it. And then he just, he starts to pour it into the thing and it's missing and spilling a little bit. And he's like, it's okay. You got it. Just go for it. And, and then he just tilts up the back of it and starts <laughs> pouring out all of the washer fluid so much that it's like shaking because it's gurgling so much. And it, it's just going everywhere. And the dad, he's trying to tell him to slow down, but he's laughing so hard <laughs> that he can't even hardly get it out. He's like, please, just slow down. Slow down, bud. And it's just all pouring out into the hood of the car. And uh, the son finally realized, like, his dad is laughing. And he just starts laughing. Um, and it all just kind of floors. And he goes, like, I told you so. Like, he told him I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, I must have watched that like 20 or 25 times. <laughs> it was so funny, and, and I laughed at it, but it was also so, in a way, beautiful. Like what this son was experiencing in this moment, and why probably a video like that would go viral, um, is because it's, it, answers a, it answered in me a, a desire in my own heart. Um, to like when I run up against something I just don't think I can do, or I, I have, I've never done before, and I, I'm uncertain about almost everything about it, um, whether I can do it, whether I'm going to mess it up, whether if I do mess it up, somebody will be, mad, will be mad at me or I'll ruin something. That this son doesn't know anything about what he's doing, but he does know that his father loves him. And not only that, that his father enjoys him. You know, he's not laughing at him like he's such an idiot or, or so ridiculous. He's laughing at him because he's like so surprisingly delightful. I would never have thought... <laughs> to tell you not to tip up the whole thing and pour it all out at once. Like, that was just something you thought to do. And it didn't work very well, but it was so fun to watch. And now we're all watching it and sharing in that joy. There's something just so um, essential to, to a son's heart to need to be enjoyed by the father, to, meet, to need to um, delight the father. We talked last week, Jesus' temptations in the desert come right after his baptism, when he hears the father say from the cloud, you, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that, that identity is immediately undermined by the evil one. If you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you're the son of God, throw yourself from, down from the temple. Prove it. Trying to make him uncertain of his identity, of course, which can't happen because the son is totally rooted in his relationship to the father. He knows that he is pleasing to the father, not what he does or how he performs or anything about him, it's himself who is pleasing to the Father. And so the Father loves him and is constantly pouring out his delight. And that's where Jesus lives. 
Um, I remember when we were redoing this chapel and the scaffolding was up and this, the progress was happening slowly but surely and um, I could see in my head what I hoped that it would look like when it was all done, when the pews were in here and the floor was complete and the crucifix had arrived from Germany and all, all of the pieces that I was helping others to um, orchestrate and to choose which tile we're going to use. And like, in some ways, I felt like I, had, I was the one that had the whole vision complete and I was just kind of waiting for it to come to fruition. But I'd come in here and I'd just look at night when nobody was around it turn the lights on and I'd just look at, and sometimes I'd stand right there and pretend I was, gonna, I was saying mass like what is it going to be like when it's all done and I would just sit here and I would delight at watching it come to fruition but then I'd get sick of it because it was just a chapel and I was just by myself and I would go home um, but with a child it's, it's totally different you know like the father delights in the child because he's his creation because he belongs to him and he's watching him grow, watching him turn into the man that he hopes he'll be or that he knows he, he really is deep down. But there's also an element that's utterly surprising because his son belongs to him, but he's someone new, someone creative, someone distinct. And he's watching him grow. And, and so with a child, the father's delight is unlimited. It's not simply a project he's doing or a thing he's creating. It's a person he's helping grow. He's watching to mature. Um, that's where Jesus lives all the time, in the delight of his Father. From eternity, by the way. The Son was begotten by the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and he took on flesh. And so now experiences that same delight in our humanity. Um, and that's what Jesus is inviting us into. Why he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain it's not just to prove who he is, but to show them, this is what I've come to give you, this same relationship to my Father. Not different or more rules or uh, a new religion or organi organization or a church or anything like that. It's this intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. That's what he's welcoming us into, and that's what all the organization and the rules and the no meat on Fridays, that's what that's all for. But that's not the end in itself. It's the means to this entrance into Jesus' own relationship to the Father. And Lent, what Lent is, is this exodus into freedom. That's like the, the primary analogy or the type in the Old Testament it, uh, is the exodus of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt through the desert to the promised land. Lent is this 40 days in the desert when we are led by the Spirit into deeper freedom, into that freedom of where we are meant to live, the promised land, as sons and daughters of the Father. Um, but it means we have to get up and go, like Abraham in the first reading. He, he's invited to leave these things that, he's, that kind of define his identity, his family, his estate, his riches, his career. He's just asked to leave them all behind. And go, I'll make you a great nation. The same thing with the Israelites. That they have to leave Egypt. Egypt's no, no great shakes. I mean, they're in slavery. Pharaoh is cruel to them. They don't have their own nation. Um, 
but God is calling them to something else, they have to let go of, of the things that maybe are comfortable about that, that maybe they're just accustomed to, or maybe they can't imagine a different kind of life. It says in the book of Exodus that when Moses finally led them out after the Passover, after the last plague, or the, the death of the firstborn, and Pharaoh finally kicks them out, that there were 600,000 men in the Israelites, not including women and children. And imagine, Moses is leading all these men and their families out into the desert. And they grumble and they build false idols and they do all of the things that the Israelites do before they enter into the promised land. Imagine managing those 600,000 families. And how many of them would be arguing, let's just go back. This is terrible. We're out in the desert. Where are you even leading us? Is this freedom even possible, this promised land? And once we get there, we're going to have to build houses, and it's going to be a big pain. We had all that stuff in Egypt. It wasn't that great, but let's just let's go back and try to make the most of it. How complicated and how hard it would have been to maintain the vision for Moses and to communicate it to these people that this is where God wants us. This is where he's leading us. I imagine there's like 600,000 parts of my soul or of my heart. And when you try to sit down and pray and get yourself to do what you think God wants you to do, you're like arguing with every one of these 600,000 parts. And one will argue like, no, we should stay slaves. And you're like, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't do that. Let's go to the freedom. And then the other one's like, I think he's got a point. And, and you're trying to argue and, and organize yourself. And you realize your heart is just too complex. Your heart is too complicated to fix on your own. And that's why you have the Holy Spirit. That's the pillar of fire in the desert leading us on, that you just look to him. That's what Jesus has come to give us. Not just an example, but his own spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide us, not even externally, but from within. So when you hear the 600,000 grumbling and arguing and, and complaining, you just say, come, Holy Spirit. You're the one leading me into freedom into the Father's joy. Do you remember the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke? How the prodigal son does all sorts of things that should be displeasing to the Father, that should make, the fa- make it hard for the Father to love him. But as soon as the prodigal son comes back, even takes one step forward, he sees him on the horizon, he runs out, he's filled with compassion, and then he's overjoyed at his son's presence. He says, put the robe on him, he kisses him, embraces him, put the ring on his finger, the sandals on his feet, Slaughter the fattened calf. We have to celebrate. My son has returned. The father wants us home in his pleasure more than we want to be home, more than we can imagine what is in store for us if we, if we say yes, if we allow ourselves to be led through the desert back home. Um, but that's what the liturgy is. When we call down the Holy Spirit on these elements in this room in this place, in our hearts, um, what we're doing is we're, we're sharing in the Father's joy at the Son's return. The Son's return home. And that's what Jesus has done. He's gone to the depths and identified completely with you, with me, in our sinfulness, in our loneliness, in our humanity. And he's come to bring us all back with him through the power of the Holy Spirit to give the Father joy the same joy that the Father had at the ascension of the Son when he came to sit back at his right hand in heaven and the Father's, son, or the father's heart is just 
overflowing with joy at the nearness of his son, how much he delights in him, how much he takes pleasure in his closeness and his presence. And now this overflowing happens in the liturgy. And so my invitation to you here is to, is to after Holy Communion, if you receive Holy Communion, to that moment when we all sit down um, and we just rest, we are at one with the Son. He's come to be at one with you, to be communion in you. Um, and now we sit, just as Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father, when all is accomplished. And to just rest in the Father's pleasure, that you exist, that you are his, that you belong to him. Um, and to let everything else we do today and the rest of our week and the rest of Lent flow from that. And when those 600,000 parts start arguing or start um, stirring or being, uh, being restless, to just say, come Holy Spirit, and to allow myself to be led. Lord, you know where you're taking me, and I want to go home with you. Um, but thank you that you let me taste what home is like right now. That you look at me um, with the same pleasure, with the same laughter, with the same delight, that you're my son. <laughs> I love you so much. That's how the Father feels about us.